0: Small Dragon Publishing presents Hush by author Aledria Hurt. When Cassandra LeBlanc's former flame, the police detective Ellis, walks back into her life with a case she wants no part of, she still doesn't say no. What they find during their investigation leaves them cold, and Cassandra can't help but wonder if the common denominator is her, especially when the killer sets his sights on Ellis himself. Check out Hush! by Elidria Hurt wherever ebooks are sold Hey there story fiends welcome to episode 18 Tithe We're getting back into our more normal programming of a bit of spooky creepy going on so buckle up Before we get into the story though a word And we're back let's dive into Tithe The Tithe, by Aledria Hurt. Her skeletal caress sent a shock through his skin. The tithe is paid, always. He woke with her words ringing in his ears and the wane moonlight sneaking in the window. Brian checked the time. Two a.m., same as the night before. The dream was becoming frequent and predictable. Her presence invaded his waking moments more and more. She appeared at the ends of hallways, standing head and shoulders over his fellows, always far away, always staring with all the predatory hunger a creature with no organs could muster. Brian wouldn't call the feeling fear. Not really. Maybe in part, but that was like calling Britain a part of Europe, true but not complete. What was that other feeling? Elation? Anticipation? Pleasure? Something about her made him excited. The timbre of her voice, perhaps. The way she threatened without saying anything threatening at all. The tithe. The tithe is paid. The tithe is paid. Always. Brian rolled over to go back to sleep. College classes were much more tolerable when rested. In the morning, he stumbled out of bed, taming what his mother called his 80s hairband mane with his fingers. The disarray of his space would have hardly shocked her, despite the knowledge she would never allow it if he moved home. Good old mom, neater than he ever hoped to be. He snatched a tea out of his drawer. One habit he did keep was only dirty clothes on the floor and slipped it on. His thoughts came round to the mystery woman as he pretended to brush his teeth without toothpaste. Then he snatched up his phone and bag before bounding out the door. Go put on some pants, you perv! He slunk back to his apartment and shoved his legs into some denim. No wonder he hadn't been able to put his phone in his pocket. All told, he was on time for class. Barely. He slipped in just as the TA strode up to lock the door. They exchanged glances, one haughty, the other sheepish, and Brian scuttled to a seat as the TA moved back down the aisle to the front of the medium-sized auditorium. Class was not well attended. The TA spoke as Brian searched for his mythology text. Class, we have a guest lecturer today. Groans interrupted. Guest lecturers meant test material that wasn't in the book. Brian looked up. He tried to swallow the rock suddenly lodged in his throat. That rock, his unexpressed scream, refused to go down. A short, pudgy man, whose scalp showed shiny in the overhead lights, stood at the front of the room. His brown suit matched the rim of his glasses perfectly. When he moved, he lumbered with the deliberation of a rhinoceros. Good afternoon, class, he stated. I'm Professor Stockton. Brian needed no introduction. Dr. Daniel Stockton, preeminent professor of otherworld mythology, was dead. Yet, there he paced. Brian stared at the way his head waggled when he walked. Nervous gesture or loose head? Brian squeezed his eyes shut, but Stockton's voice vibrated in the space between his ears. Of course you've all heard of Atlantis, he asked. Yes, Brian whispered. Atlantis. The tithe was paid. Always. Stockton droned. Brian opened his eyes, confirming once again the old professor remained. He looked remarkable for a man who should have been food for the worms. Panic gave way to calculation. Brian considered his exit. The door, near at hand, was locked from the inside. If he faked sick. Stockton stared at him as he lectured in that colony of bees drone. Brian saw the seabird that had plucked out the Wright's hazel eye. The tithe is paid. Always. He couldn't fake sick slipping his hand over his heart brian willed it to slow stockton couldn't know what sane man would allow their lethal betrayer to come into their midst without retribution a man not sane or seeking a more gruesome revenge the thought did not comfort glancing around brian searched for something from his classmates they sat rapt as statues no heckling no papers rattling Just the steadiness of Stockton's voice and the infrequent cough over the thrum of air conditioning. Brian hacked loud. No one turned. Not even the studious one with the venomous glares trained for interrupters. Something was wrong. Stockton stared at him again. The tithe is paid. Always. He paid the tithe. Stockton was the tithe. Or had been. The professor moved up the aisle toward him. Each footstep rang through Brian's skeleton in the too-quiet classroom. Above, the lights flickered for a breath before becoming overbright. Stockton's shadows stretched long on the floor only to shrink and hide beneath him. The tithe is paid. Always. Stockton spoke, but her voice came out, the not-quite-seductive drawl. Blood poured from between his lips to splash on the floor. The professor's head toppled from his neck and stared at Brian with glass taxidermied eyes. Brian didn't recoil, not when the breath of the grave assaulted him, but he flinched when a scream pierced the air. Rose away, a student screamed. The T.A. stood at the front of the room, scrunched forward against the sound, his dry erase marker hovering over the whiteboard. When he looked around, Brian shrank in his chair. Miss Montgomery, is there a problem? The girl in question shook her head so hard, Brian thought it might topple to the floor. I bet it was a spider, offered a guy sitting a few feet from her. Montgomery dropped back into her seat with a word. Moving on, the T.A. said with a gesture of dismissal. As you all know, Atlantis is a well-known but considered quite a fictional city. Brian checked his phone. Class had only been on, in for five minutes. How much time had he lost to a daymare? Glancing at the floor, he blinked at the eye in the puddle of blood next to his sneaker. A hazel eye. A Stockton eye. He needed out of that class. Picking up his bag, he hurried for the door as if fire nipped at his heels. Out in the hall, he allowed himself to take a deep breath of air tainted with humanity and pine cleanser. The corridor stood empty except for her, the skeleton woman, until Montgomery came crashing out of the second exit further down the hall. The look on her face betrayed intense fear held by the shortest of leashes, with her eyes showing round and too white in her brown face, gemstone eyes. "'Are you okay?' "'You saw him?' Her tone might have been breathless, but he understood every word and she wasn't asking a question. "'Saw who?' "'Stockton. Our guest lecturer.' They stood a moment apart. Him sure, her not. She had seen, but what did she know? Nothing. She knew nothing. He was safe as long as he was careful. "'Oh, so careful.' "'I didn't see anybody,' Brian said. "'Just started to feel sick all of a sudden. "'Who Stockton? "'He kept his knowledge out of his eyes by will. "'The woman could be in too deep, quickly. "'She stared at him, and the uneasiness in her face subsided. "'A smile like a lopsided moon lit her features. "'Guess I'm just jumpy.' "'You don't seem like the jumpy sort. "'Tell that to Aiden.' Must have been one of the guys in class. To Brian, they all looked alike, impossibly young and forgettable. Montgomery stood out, always had, though he had never tried to learn her name. Now she stood out like the North Star, cold but bright and seemingly close. I don't know which one is Aiden, and I'm certain I don't care. Brian extended his hand to her. Brian Stillmore. Annabelle Montgomery. May I call you by first name, Miss Montgomery? Annabelle, if you please. I like my name. Annabelle it is. They shook on it. Then he brought her hand to his lips before letting go. You even taste like an Annabelle. And what does an Annabelle taste like? A bit of chocolate with a brush of honey eaten by candlelight at midnight. He marked the smidgen of blush high in her cheeks. Poet? Musician? right. She cocked an eyebrow at him before turning to go. I've got to go. Thanks for the vote of confidence. He watched her walk away. Perhaps they both should have stayed in class, but apparently he had something more pressing to attend to. That night, the moon had shrank to a sliver, a curved blade of light high above the world. When it disappeared, there would be a cry for blood, an unearthly bellow to the base of reality. When the cry went up the tithe was due standing at the window brian wondered what would happen if the call went unanswered in all the years of his life they had been dutiful the skeleton woman mystery denizen of his dreams served to remind he took his violin from its stand and pulled the blow across it slow it made a sound light as breath Brian wondered if Annabelle's breath would sound the same as Stockton's final gurgling gasp. At midnight, he went to bed without his honeyed chocolate. Twilight approached, but Brian tried not to think about how the world would be affected. The skeleton woman had become his companion. She did not comment, but he felt her like a cold breeze constantly on his neck giving him shivers. The tithe is paid— Always. Soft violin strains beckoned money from the passerby. Money held no urgency. Only blood. Annabelle approached as stars twinkled to life overhead, and he imagined they'd forgotten their twins in her hair and eyes. Brian brought his song to a close as she stood by. You really are a musician. I'm not in the habit of lying to people. Silence. Silence. That was harsh. I'm sorry. No, no, it's okay. Her hands waved in front of her face. I shouldn't have said that. More silence. And more silence. Pedestrians walked through their strained moment with impunity. Finally, Annabelle took his hand. Rich warmness in her skin. I want to show you something. Brian did not resist her pull, only to remember that he was abandoning his case and the money within. There might not have been an urgency to money, but one did occasionally pay bills. Just a moment, he returned to snatch up his case and make everything right so he could carry his instrument under his arm. Then he took her hand. Lead the way. Together they walked the streets. At first he watched their route carefully. But soon he knew where it led. Rosenberg Park. Manicured and patrolled, Rosenberg was a haven for those seeking safety, along with their late-night tete-a-tete. The sickle of the moon overhead drew the eye as they stepped into the ring of what Brian thought might be oaks. Someone had hung flyers from several of them. They fluttered like white wings in the sparse light under the canopies. A missing pet, Perhaps. Sometimes the animals weren't lost, but gone, telling others that rarely brought anything but tears. In the center of the trees, the world was dim in spite of lunar light and warmer than the night had been. Annabelle drew close to him, and he noticed a sweet calmness to her heartbeat and that it beat far too slow. She was warm where he was cold. Her heartbeat too slow. They were alone. The skeleton woman was gone. Brian shook off Annabelle's hand and she stepped away. His rapid heartbeat turned to a hummingbird pace as the ground shifted and bucked at his feet. Annabelle? Her eyes were gemstones, flawless and hard. Had he once considered he would tithe her? Above her shadows draped themselves cutting the light further vices clamped on his ankles roots crawled like bloated worms up his calves as his feet disappeared annabelle brian dropped the violin and the case spilled open dumping the instrument and the money on the churning earth he sank an inch at a time screaming all the while yet no one came Annabelle stood and watched until the final scrap of him disappeared into the ground. She blew the mound of fresh-turned-ground a kiss before walking away with the vestiges of a smile. Maybe the tithe isn't paid. Always. The end. Well, what do you think? I originally wrote Tithe as a one-off version of a sacrifice story. You find out partway through the boy is in on it, but no one anticipates the girl until it's too late. I've had a few people say I cheated by having it in the way it did, but I think it makes perfect sense. They're the only two people who saw the apparition. Obviously there is something between them. The fact that he considers himself the predator and then becomes prey just adds a delicious twist in my opinion. Disagree? Leave me a voice message on Anchor.fm or drop me a line at my website, www.aledriahurt.com. If you tweet, tweet me at Our Lady of Ashes, or if you're interested in supporting the cause, check out my Patreon at www.patreon.com slash And as always, don't forget to subscribe. Good night, story fiends.